Welcome to Scrappy ABM, your source for groundbreaking approaches that don't break the bank. ABM shouldn't cost 200K in tech to even get started. So if you want to get started with ABM or make your program even better without investing a massive amount of money, you're in the right place. Each week, we'll hear from the brightest minds in the marketing world who are redefining ABM, achieving incredible results with untraditional methods, limited resources, and a whole lot of creativity. This isn't a show about how much money you can spend on fancy tech or overhyped tools. Instead, it's about celebrating creative problem solving and the scrappiness it takes to get ABM right. We'll dive into how these marketing leaders built robust ABM strategies with limited resources, revealing the actionable insights that led to their biggest wins. So if you're a marketer ready to challenge the status quo and build a scalable, efficient, effective marketing strategy, Scrappy ABM is the show for you. So if you're ready to discover ABM strategies that are lean, impactful, and utterly transformative, let's dive into this episode. Hello, and welcome to today's episode of Demystified Selling with Microsoft. And I'm excited for my guest today, Mason Cosby. So Mason, welcome. Rob, thank you so much for having me. Excited to be here. Yeah, yeah, I'm excited for our discussion today because it really is all about how do we add value to the Microsoft sellers, the Microsoft sales community. And I connected with Mason and he had such a fascinating approach to how we can add value that I really wanted to share that with uh, with my audience today, Mason. So before we jump in, though, maybe you can tell us a bit about you, a bit about Scrappy ABM, and uh, that'll get us started. Yeah, so I'm founder of a company called Scrappy ABM. We build account-based marketing programs that don't require a $200,000 tech stack. Uh, we'll get into what account-based marketing is here in a moment, but just think through essentially how do I do really great B2B marketing in mm -hmm. a way that is not super expensive and essentially allows us to validate the results before we super heavily invest in things that are difficult to divest. So that is how mm -hmm. I like to think through what Scrappy ABM does. Awesome, awesome. And then, well, maybe you, you kind of touched on it, but let's go a layer deeper on what ABM is so that our audience understands that. Yeah, so if you go and Google account-based marketing, uh, you'll probably get about 100,000 different definitions because it's been something that's been uh, really, for lack of a word, hijacked from a definition perspective of what does it actually mean. Uh, I think the most common understanding of account-based marketing is largely going to be what is called account-based advertising. So people just think, oh, I plug in a target account list of my best fit potential customers. I'll run a bunch of ads towards them using an account-based marketing platform. Uh, there may be layers of intent data and then I can activate my sales team and like it gets complicated from there. And then all of a sudden magic happens and I have all my best fit customers and everything's happening. People start to build it and they recognize that it's not the reality. And then they kind of get into what I think is the true definition. And I have stolen this from a former employer. So I, I want to be very clear on that, but I, I think they actually have the right definition, which is account-based marketing is a B2B growth strategy that aligns marketing and sales around a set of shared target accounts. Now people hear that. And again, if you're in the B2B space, you often then are still looking towards technology. Uh, my love-hate relationship with account-based marketing is that it is one of the only marketing strategies that is often think, thought of as tech first. So people will use the phrase, we need to go buy ABM. And what they mean is they're going to they're gonna go buy the tech stack. So even though they've heard the definition that I think is actually the correct definition, they still go look to buy the ABM platform. They go look to buy the data enrichment provider. They go look to buy the sending platform that can do direct mail. And as you put all of that together, you're generally looking in the ballpark of literally 
$200,000. I had a friend that's a part of CMO Coffee Talk and uh, a CMO shared their ABM tech stack and it was $960,000 a year oh for their ABM tech stack to across everything. So again, we hear the right definition, but because of how ABM is so closely associated right now with technology, we still go look tech first. And what I am trying to help people recognize with Scrappy ABM is that the definition of a B2B growth strategy that aligns marketing and sales around a set of shared target accounts, that is the correct definition. And nowhere does it mention anything related to technology. It is entirely around how do we get sales and marketing on the same page, going after the same accounts, using the channels and the content and the tactics that we have available today to start proving results. And once you've done it in a scrappy way, you can look to start scaling it up. So that is my definition of account-based marketing. I love it. And I love how you've integrated the name Scrappy ABM into that. I mean, it's, uh, you know, when I think about, you know, what you said there, I love the fact that it's, you know, you're focusing on shared target accounts. And that's so important for my community and the Microsoft partner community to understand is that, you know, that is what you're, you know, that's the utopia, aligning marketing, aligning sales, and going after that shared set of target accounts. And it's not necessarily about the technology. It's not, I have to go out and buy hundreds of thousands of dollars of uh, technology. So, so let me set the stage for our discussion and then we'll sort of dig in a layer deeper here is that, you know, in a lot of times I talk to Microsoft partners and they have this expectation that Microsoft is going to bring them a bunch of leads. And I think that's really, it's, it's a, untrue sort of philosophy. It's something that it's not, it's not reality, but when you can show up with Microsoft and add value in just what you were talking about, going after this sort of shared target account, that's when I think the concept of ABM really becomes powerful. You know, when you can show up and add value for the Microsoft seller, you can align your sales and marketing teams around that sort of motion. So, what I'd love to do is have you share with us how you would approach that. So you're working with, or you're in the scenarios, you're working with a Microsoft partner that says, I'd love to work with Microsoft. I'd love to work with these sellers. These sellers have a set of targeted accounts. So you, Mason, you know, as Scrappy ABM, how would you approach that problem? Yeah, I think it's, it's a great question. Honestly, Rob, we, you and I recorded a podcast episode on my show. And I think we, we honestly start in the same place of, as I look at my organization, what's the unique and specific value that I can actually help a seller accomplish. So again, mm -hmm. I think through, as you think about account-based marketing through a partnership channel, the greatest challenge of anything when it comes to account-based marketing is the alignment between marketing and sales. I think mm -hmm. that is always a challenge within the same organization. And even in the same organization, you likely have aligned incentives. Now you're talking about as a, as a partner, essentially trying to provide marketing support to a seller in a different organization. There's also a much larger organization that also has a lot of partners that are trying to get their attention. Exactly. So the alignment piece in that context is going to be exponentially more difficult unless you think a lot about your positioning as a partner within that specific ecosystem. So again, I'll give a prime example for myself. I have lots of partners as well as Scrappy ABM. And the unique value that I specifically have positioned myself in is if you think about account-based marketing, everybody talks about the crawl, walk, run approach. I don't know another service provider that is dedicated to the crawl space. 
I help people get started and prove that ABM is a viable option. Mm -hmm. And that is the unique value that I specifically offer. And as a result, when people go to my tech partners and they're probably too early to buy the tech, I get the people that need to start ABM. And then I pass them back once they're ready to go. So again, what is your unique value as a Microsoft partner in the ecosystem so that when people experience the specific challenge that they're trying to sell into, mm -hmm. they think, oh, I know the exact partner that's able to help us with this. Let's route them that way. So that's that's the first step. Yeah. So, and if I heard you right there, I think that that's, I want to pause there just because it's so important is that you understand who you serve. You understand what your superpower is for that audience. And so that's so important that uh, people recognize knowing that about yourself, knowing that about your organization is, hey, this is what I'm amazing at. This is my superpower. This is the thing that makes me unique. Those are two things that you know I heard from you there that I think people need to understand. Yeah. And like, excuse me for the Incredibles reference, but I often think about specifically in the marketing agency space, you have the agencies that say, we do everything and yeah. we do everything. You don't actually do anything. And I think about syndrome saying, when we all have superpowers, nobody does. And like, <laughs> if you try to claim that you can be the one all be all Microsoft partner that can accomplish anything that a Microsoft seller would need, you know, unless you're as large as Microsoft, which you likely aren't as a Microsoft partner, yeah. it's unlikely you can do everything. So owning yeah. your specific lanes and getting really deep into your specific lanes and niching down so that again, a, a seller encounters a specific problem they only think of you because you've owned that problem and have become the viable solution for that specific problem. And again, I think about like, if you really want to get specific on it, identify a specific Microsoft product and a specific industry that you serve, and you can own that niche of product plus industry vertical. And again, if you right. get that specific, okay, I know that this is my partner for this specific product and industry. Right, right. I've heard it referred to like a Rolodex moment. It's like when I hear that problem in that industry, it just automatically comes to mind that I'm going to call this partner. Exactly. Yeah, great. Okay, so we've talked about the that sort of first understanding that. Where do you go next? Yes, I mean, we we then look at, again, how, how do we then communicate that information? Because again, it's one thing if we look at our our positioning, we know it, but how do you then communicate that to the Microsoft partner? So I'll, I'll be very direct on when it comes to the exact nuances of the Microsoft uh, partner program. I don't know exactly levels of communication. I've previously been a HubSpot partner. So mm -hmm. as we thought about in a HubSpot partner ecosystem, uh, essentially HubSpot sellers would go into the partner channel and there was a round robin yeah. that was problem specific. So they'd put in the information that they were looking for a partner to help solve. And then HubSpot would just provide three to five partners that would be viable to solve that problem. Yeah. What we did in that context is we built out a dedicated landing page and recorded a specific video that went, that was nuanced in the, that's new. Uh, the uh, <laughs> the <laughs> message itself and the video that we created was specific to HubSpot partner sellers. And we knew how they got to this page we knew the general problems that they were experiencing because we selected the problems we wanted to be served up for. So again, the content on that page was dedicated to ensuring that they knew we would be the best partner to help them actually close the deal on these problems. And what we provided with were things like close rates. When it when we've worked with HubSpot partners, mm -hmm. we provided 
we can do a couple of things, but if you really want to make sure that you get this deal across, these are the specific service lines where we have the greatest success in partnering with HubSpot and your clients. And again, ensured that they knew by partnering with us, we were not going to sabotage their deal. Because again, right. I'm getting all these nice and little <laughs> emojis, but uh, <laughs> specifically when it comes to partnerships, one of the greatest challenges is you are now relying on an outside resource to help you close your deal. And as a seller, some sellers are very protective of their deals because it's their livelihood. And that's yeah. a very, I wanna be very clear, that is very reasonable. So again, if you can mitigate in the context of the partnership, the risk and actually show that by partnering with you, they have a higher likelihood of closing at maybe a higher deal value for them, then they're more likely to work with you because you've gotten so specific and so niche to exactly how you help them actually win in their context. It almost feels like I'd be dumb not to partner with this partner. Right, right, right. So, you know, if I'm hearing you correctly, then it's, that you had a message that resonated with your partner, in this case, HubSpot, but in the case of Microsoft partners with Microsoft, that if Microsoft sees they're working with other clients, they have that client has a problem, they're going to go look for the partner and they want to know that that partner clearly understands and aligns with what they're trying to accomplish. So, you know, what they do, how they do it, who they do it for. And then, you know, most importantly, at the end of the day, what's in it for them? You know, so yes. as a as a Microsoft seller, what's in it for me to partner with you? And, and you made some great points there about, you know, the likelihood of the close ratio is high. So if you work with me, you know, you're going to see this deal come across the line. You talked about deal value. I mean, that's, you know, who doesn't want to increase the size of their deal value, um, really maximize what the client takes advantage of from the platform. I think there's a ton of value there. So I love that. I think it's spot on you know, taking those lessons learned from HubSpot and they apply equally as, they're equally as relevant in the Microsoft ecosystem, so. And one thing to add on to that is we're talking a lot about marketing to specific sellers, mm -hmm. but there's also a lot of power in marketing to your target accounts and helping them understand, hey, it looks like you're showing intent signals or you're interested in buying Microsoft products. We are the premier partner when it comes to implementation in this industry for this product. You know, if you're speaking with a rep, ask them if you could partner with us, like bring us into the deal. And again, if you think about, so my mom growing up was in pharmaceutical sales and it was always interesting because we would be eating dinner and we'd have a show on sometimes and a commercial would come up for the drug that my mom was selling to doctors, yeah. but it was a, consumer commercial and people can't buy direct from the pharmaceutical company. They have to go through their doctor, but it was marketing and advertising towards the end user about how they needed this product and they, they needed to go through a provider to get that product. So again, I think that there are indirect channels that you can use to the partner through thinking through partnerships of, Yes, I'm using the partnership channel with Microsoft to co-sell and I need a great relationship with my sellers in Microsoft, but also they're not actually my end user. So if I can go to the end user and get them to see the value of partnering with me to actually increase the value and the time to value for their Microsoft product, I now haven't locked myself into exclusively communicating with the end user through a partner channel through a specific seller. I started to take some autonomy and actually raise awareness within the industry that I'm trying to serve long-term. So I think it's both of those channels because your message 
obviously with customers and users, you're not going to talk about your close rates, but the specific value of how we help customers like you mm-hmm. in this specific industry vertical with this specific product, find great success. And here's all the cus- customer testimonials that showcase that. So again, I think it's both of those things because then partners can bring you in, but also end users can bring you in uh, and you end up actually seeing greater success overall. Yeah, I love that. I love the uh, the idea of going direct to the consumer, direct to your your customer. You know, I, I talk about the fact that you know it doesn't have to be Microsoft bringing you into deals. You know, you have just as much value and just as much ability to bring Microsoft into deals. And you think about the the sort of reciprocity that creates with Microsoft. If you're bringing them in, you find a customer, you find an opportunity. And you say to Microsoft, hey, I'm working with such and such a customer. I'd love to co-sell this with you. I, I just think that's, you know, that is the uh, you know, top tier of bringing value to Microsoft when you're bringing them into deals. So I think that that lays the foundation. And, you know, we talk about adding value, you know, that's bringing revenue to the table adds value every day. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so we've talked about a few things now. What uh, what's next in sort of your your system or your process? Yeah, I mean, again, if we think through very high level, we've talked through how do I raise awareness within the exact yeah. sellers. So I, I think about this, for lack of a word, as the kind of pipeline generation program. So again, yeah. uh, we've got a dedicated content and collateral within a referral partner, and we also are going out and creating content and collateral that speaks to the end user. And I want to give a quick framework on that of uh, there's a guy on my team that's incredible. He came up with this framework. It's called the three D's of like data, uh, distribution, destination. So again, what's your data source that helps you identify who we're going after? What are the triggers? So again, think through your data sources. Uh, mm-hmm. If you have a specific partner or a couple partners that you're working with, uh, there are tools today that exist that allow you to share uh, account data. So things like Crossbeam Reveal, those kinds of tools that help you understand account overlap if that is of value or interest or even potential, you can understand how you can start to co-sell from a marketing perspective, like way earlier from awareness perspective, than understanding distribution. Are you doing LinkedIn direct messages? Are you doing ads? Are you doing organic content? Are you doing live streams? Are you doing webinars? Are you doing email? Like what is your distribution that helps you actually get this message in front of the right people? And the last piece is the destination. So again, where are we sending people that actually educates them on the problems that they are experiencing, how painful those problems are, why those problems are ruining their life and how we can then help them overcome the day or win the day by overcoming those problems. So again, I'm a huge fan of very problem specific language and problem oriented language because there's always the phrase we walk towards pleasure, we sprint from pain. So again, when you have framed up your solution, by actually framing up the problem that you solve, the solution is all that much sweeter. So that's how I would think through actually working out how do I actually get people that are end users into a sales process. So I'm be yeah. very clear on kind of that framework and that thought process before we move into kind of the next stage. Yeah, I love that framework of data distribution destination. I mean, that really, it lays out the journey so clearly. That's amazing. And then I have to say, I, I love the quote of, yeah, we walk away from we walk from pleasure, walk to pleasure, but we sprint from pain. How true is that? <laughs> yeah, and I I will tell you, I've sold more deals because we talk about the problem than we do the solution. So again, yeah. that's 
that's just a, a thought process. Now, once you're actually in pipeline, so you're co-selling the deal with Microsoft, again, I, I think that you just need a, a solid level of communication and understanding. Now, specifically, again, I'm going to lean on my HubSpot partner experience. I had a dedicated HubSpot account rep, but they were not a seller. So I had somebody that was kind of my advocate and uh, internal person on HubSpot side. But then every time I sold a different deal, I was working with a different seller that was already assigned to that account. Yeah. So like, I I think it is absolutely critical. And it's it's a it's more involved when you involve a partner, but it's you end up being able to create more value. So again, having dedicated touch points to get on the same page so that you're speaking the same message and that you ensure that you're creating a cohesive uh, sales process and a sales message to the end user. Because the worst thing that can happen is your implementation partner says one thing and then Microsoft, the actual tool provider says another, and now you've got different messages mm -hmm. that are going towards the same end user. Yeah. So just being really, really clear on as a partner, hey, I know you're busy. I want to create these touch points before a call with the customer just to make sure that we're on the same page because the worst thing that could happen is I say something that has changed within Microsoft and I didn't know about it. And as a result, we end up having conflicting messaging and losing confidence in the customer. That's one right. thing. The second thing is... Um, a lot of sales enablement collateral. I think this is an under under uh, resourced part of identifying specifically what are our case studies, what are our presentations. And when you've templatized a lot of it, what you can actually then do by it being templatized is you can work directly with your partner over at Microsoft to then nuance it to the specifics of the customer because they may have information that you don't have. You may have information that they don't have. But when you put it together into a centralized presentation of information, and again, it's nuanced based on the information that you've collectively brought together, you make it a much easier lift to actually create that final sales presentation to get the deal across the line. So I'd say having templatized sales collateral that can then be easily nuanced based on the actual sales cycle that you've been running with makes your sales process with a partner exponentially easier. And then the last piece is from a marketing perspective. Again, the the pro and the con of working with partners is when you work with partners, they bring you into deals and you get to co-sell with them. And like, you can work really well with them. The con sometimes is they may also be working with other partners on the same deal. True. So in that context, what I would do is continue to market towards specifically in pipeline opportunities. So they aren't just saying, I need to work with Microsoft and a partner. I need to work with Microsoft and this specific partner because they are the best. So again, Marketing towards the end user with the specific value that you provide ensures that when they are, they've already decided on the Microsoft tools that they're using. When they go to then select the partner, the end user is saying, I really want to work with this partner. That way you ensure and you've, you've hedged your bets to ensure that you actually help get the deal across the line with you as the winner. I love that. I love that. So, I mean, if I heard you sort of the three things that you should really focus on here in that cycle, that sales cycle is that pre-call planning. So making sure that you're on the same page with your partner, in this case, Microsoft. The second thing is the sales enablement collateral, you know, having that templatized, not having to recreate the wheel every time you're going into a deal, having content that you can tweak for the individual or the individual opportunity, but that's 
that's ready to go right from sales plays to customer facing decks to you know the whole nine yards when it comes to marketing. And the last point was the sort of market to in pipeline deals, market to your end users so that you are you're creating that level of awareness for you as a partner. Did I get that right? Yeah, again, and I've, I've been on the other side of it where I've worked with other agencies and I'm not always proud of this as I say it and I've tried to be better about it. But like, especially as I was getting scrappy and them off the ground, I was really, really, really concerned with closing as many deals as I could so I could have the revenue to support actually providing for my family. And like, if you're an in-seller and you're compensation is largely tied to a commission it is difficult to put all your eggs in the basket of a single partner yeah so again they're more focused and motivated on getting the deal across the line than they are on getting the deal across the line with you so if you can ensure right. that you are top of mind that you're the best partner not just to the end seller but also to the end user you increase your chances of actually being the partner that gets all the way across the line with your seller and microsoft yeah, and I love that. I think that you just nailed it there is that if you're the partner adding the most value for the Microsoft seller, for the end client, and obviously for you as the partner, I think that those are the keys. And I, you know, I refer to those as the, the uh, sort of three W's or the three sort of wins. It's you win for the customer, win for Microsoft, and win for you as the partner. So I think that, that uh, I think you nailed it there, Mason. Thanks, Rob. Great, great. So um, as we're kind of coming to the end of our discussion today, um, I'd love for you if you could just recap one thing from today that, you know, if somebody were to take just one thing away, what would that be? Getting really, really specific and nuanced with your collateral. Again, I think, I, I know, Rob, you've talked a lot about identifying your niche. I want to say that's, that's, way more important because you can't even nuance your collateral until you know your niche but again, i think that's something that's been talked a lot on and i don't see as many people like creating dedicated landing pages and dedicated content that then educates the specific sellers on why you're the best value it is going to do leaps and bounds better even from an intention perspective if you create a dedicated landing page that speaks directly to the partner then it is sending them their homepage. So again, like even from an intention perspective to say, I care so much about our partnership and working directly with Microsoft as a partner, I have created a specific landing page with videos and evidence that I'm going to be the best partner with you versus, hey, here's my homepage that everybody sees. Right. I love that idea. I mean, yeah. Just getting that specific and that nuanced shows the intention and how much you actually value their partnership and the willingness to bring you into a deal. I love that. I mean, personally, I never even thought of that, of creating dedicated landing pages for your, in my case, the Microsoft partner or Microsoft sellers. So that's a phenomenal tip. So for the Microsoft partners out there, that's a key takeaway. I love that. And, um, you know, so as we're concluding, I, two, two questions for you. If people want to learn more about ABM, what would be a great resource you could share with them? And then if they want to get a hold of you, Mason, how do they get a hold of you? Uh, I'm going to be first selfish and then provide some other resources on ABM. Sure. Um, I have my own podcast called Scrappy ABM. Yeah. Uh, if you look that up, my my whole goal is actionable, practical playbooks like we talked through today. So again, yeah. there's actually an episode that just released that's on partnerships as a channel where I talk through different playbooks that you could run. So again, 
If you liked what you heard today and you want more on that, go check out episode 31 on Scrappy ABM. And additionally, there's like a ton of great podcasts. So there's an agency called Strategic ABM that has a podcast called Let's Talk ABM. So again, they've got great content. Um, there's another podcast called Account-Based Beverages. That's like all their episodes are like eight minutes or less with very practical, very tactical account-based marketing tips from experts. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm a, I'm going to be very clear. I'm an avid podcast listener. So like most of my research are going to be podcasts. <laughs> yeah. Um, and like, I also want to throw out if you're, ABM is a very nuanced and specific strategy in B2B. If you just want to get like the baseline, how do I do good marketing? I do produce a show for a guy named Jay Schwedelson that's called Do This, Not That. And it's just mm-hmm. like, do this marketing tip. Don't do that. And he had somebody that emailed him in and said, I, I use your marketing tips from the last episode and generated $75,000 from a single email. So like, it's, it's highly practical. Do this. Don't do that. I yeah. think there's a great starting point for a lot of people that are trying to understand marketing. Awesome. Awesome. And then, so now let's, how do they get a hold of Mason? If somebody wants to talk to you directly, yeah. what's the best way? Uh, if you go to scrappyabm.com, there's a button at the top that says let's chat and you have access to my calendar. You can go ahead and book directly. Uh, and we can just nice. chat through kind of the ways of working. And if you scroll down on the page, I have transparent uh, pricing. I have kind of the three service offerings. So again, if you want a high level overview of kind of what we do as Scrappy ABM, I talked through a lot of it today, but also, again, if you want just kind of a starting point, go check that out. Uh, and finally, I'm very active on LinkedIn. So if you want to just learn more about kind of how you can build scrappy ABM programs. I try to talk about it every single day, either that or people really, really love the cute pictures of my daughter that's five months old. So those <laughs> yes. are kind of the two two things you're going to get from my LinkedIn page. Awesome. Awesome. I love it. Well, a couple of things. Um, I would love if you could share the link in the comments to uh, the podcast episode that you did uh, yesterday. So that would be awesome if you could do that. And Absolutely. for everyone listening, reach out to Mason. He is an amazing individual really gets the whole account-based marketing strategies, tactics. So I'd encourage you to reach out. And Mason, thank you very much for your time today. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me, Rob. My pleasure. Take care. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Scrappy ABM. If you enjoyed this week's episode, go ahead and give us a follow so that you don't miss a single episode. We drop every single Monday so that you can start your week off right. And if you're looking for additional great content just like this, go check out ScrappyABM.com. We're building a library of frameworks, guides, templates, processes, and tools so you have everything that you need to build a low-budget, high-impact Scrappy program. Again, thank you for listening to this episode of Scrappy ABM. This has been your host, Mason Cosby, and we look forward to seeing you in the next one.